This world is a world of unrest. God didn't create it that way, but then man fell. And the consequences of that disobedience echo throughout history. And because of that, we have pain and nakedness and struggle and sweat. Things changed after the fall. And now unrest characterizes this world. But see, these struggles aren't just on the outside of us and what we see happening in the world, although they are out there as well. It's not just the things that you might see on the news. This struggle and this unrest is inside of us as well. And it's scary when there is no peace around us, but it can break you when there's no peace inside you. The author of the song, I Heard the Bell on Christmas Day, looked at the state of the world, and he looked at all that was going on around him, and he said, there is no peace on earth. But then he was struck with a realization that God is not dead, nor does he sleep. Through Christmas, the unrest that started at the fall of man is restored, and what was broken in Eden is fixed through Jesus Christ. And this is why we sing, peace on earth goodwill to men. Why? Because he came to take your burdens. He came to give you rest. Today we're going to be in Isaiah 53. Uh, If you can please turn in your Bibles there, we're going to read the whole chapter. If you don't have one with you, there should be a black Bible right there in front of you in the pew, or you can go into our Clarksburg Baptist Church app, and all the verses will be in there as well as uh, every other verse and little thoughts place that you can keep notes there. Isaiah uh, is known by some to be the fifth gospel. And now, obviously, if you have been around church long, you know that's in the Old Testament, but it talks so much about Jesus Christ 700 years before his birth, about this Messiah that was coming. So we see here in Isaiah 53, verse 1, who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look on him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, and as one whom men hid their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely, He was born of our griefs, and he carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation... Who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? 
And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. And he, was put him, uh, and he has put him to grief. When his, soul's makes, uh, when his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall proffer, uh, prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. We see here in this passage, this whole chapter in Isaiah 53 is this amazing prophecy of one that would come to take away the sins of the world. But secondarily, these verses are so perfect also at dissecting the human condition. We see transgressions and iniquity and sin and wounds and sorrow and grief. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to our own way. Even secular sociologists and psychologists are asking these questions that these verses answer. What is wrong with us? Why do we continue to hurt each other and to lash out? Why are we never satisfied? Why are we so broken? Why are we so prone towards certain sins and addictions and habits? And the primary answer that they can't come up with is that it's our environment that creates these bends towards certain brokenness and addictions and problems. Now, I only have uh, two kids, but I know this. Some of what they are, they were born that way. Noah has always been very logical, thriving on instructions and boundaries and answers and facts. And if there was a sign when he was three or four years old, he'd ask what that sign said, and he would hold you to whatever that sign said, because he is built on laws. And he got onto his pawpaw one time for bringing pizza into the pool area, because you're not allowed to eat in there. And that's always how he's been. He, he likes instruction. He likes boundaries. But Chloe is the polar opposite. She's creative and boundary pushing, and she thrives on freedom and dreams and imagination. Two kids, same parents, only two years apart. We've tried to be consistent. We've tried to have the same philosophies. And Noah basically has the same personality as he did when he was two, and the same with Chloe. See, all that we are is not just shaped by our environment. And there are great things about who we are, but there are also innate temptations and struggles in us as well. We don't even hit our ideals for ourselves. And how often do I disappoint myself when I hit the alarm uh, to snooze for another 15 minutes when I said I wanted to get up at this other time, or I don't go to the gym when I knew that I wanted to, or I eat that extra donut when I, I don't even live up to the things that I want when I lash out and I say those words. And if I can't live up to my own ideals, how much less are a holy and a perfect God? 
Our theology, based on God's Word, says that we were brought forth in iniquity. We were born broken. And you were born with a bent towards error. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to you and I, but that the end of it is death. Be honest. We are the mastermind of our worst mistakes and regrets, right? Has anybody ever betrayed you more than you have? Nobody has tricked us more than we trick ourselves, and we talk ourselves into things that are bad for us, and it seemed right at the time, but our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Now, since we are bent towards certain sins and certain struggles, our environment can absolutely throw logs on that fire. And our environment, it doesn't cause that sin in us and that brokenness, but it can aggravate it exponentially and help it take over. Our bent towards pride and violence and laziness and sexual sin and addiction. We are born with all of that. It's something that we all face. But your sin doesn't make you weird. We all have this struggle. We are all in this same boat. We have no hope in and of ourselves. You were born broken. Broken isn't something that happened to you. And that's why you and I have been doing wrong as far back as we remember, hurting people and hurting ourselves. We each are born believing in a way that we are God. And it's about me and it's about my ideas and my wants and my desires. And everyone else should bow to those things. Everyone else needs to understand me and give me what I want. But this passage in Isaiah says it this way. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. Every one of us has turned to our own way. And this is why we are unworthy to pass judgment on each other. Because we are born broken. We are born, each of us, believing that we are God and that we know better. When it comes to my marriage, I know more than God knows. When it comes to my money, I know more than God knows. When it comes to my kids, I know more than God knows. When it comes to my life, I know more. And we're born that we uh, are believing that we are smarter than God. And I say here, lays out this state of humanity, this boat that we're all in. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. Everyone turning to his own way. Herding disobedient sheep must be a lot like herding cats. Dozens of sheep going in every direction, motivated by their beliefs, whatever they might be, their fears, their self-preservation, their feelings, all going in their own direction, just like us. Our worst problems are inside of us. And this is the world that Isaiah prophesies into 700 years before Christmas. But then Isaiah says, someone though, someone is coming to fix the brokenness. 
Yes, we've all gone astray, but next it says our transgressions and our iniquities are taken from us. All of that brokenness and all of that pain that we have caused in our lives and other lives, it's taken from us and laid on the one that is coming. And he doesn't just forgive us for our actions. He promises us to forgive and to fix our bent towards sin. Our wrongs taken from us and laid on him. And he doesn't just treat the symptoms, the things outside of us. He treats the disease and he makes straight what is crooked in us. And how is God going to do that? Through a person. A little baby will be born and will face life just like we have faced it, tempted like us, except for he wasn't born with that bent towards sin, that bending towards himself. Instead, he came to fulfill the will of his father. And God says, I have this plan to take care of your external transgressions, but I'm also going to fix what is broken inside of you so that I can change your life. Christmas is the time that we celebrate this plan that God had, how he waited for the perfect time to take action and to roll out his mission. These are the good tidings of great joy, the good news, the gospel. You were absolutely unrighteous, but then God gifted you his righteousness. He died for your punishment, and he gave you the reward of his righteousness. There's no question who got the better end of that deal. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake, he, being God, made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. This is the great exchange. He took our punishment and we get his reward. And this is why Christmas is such an amazing time of year. Because if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, then you were guilty, but now you are innocent. And God doesn't see your sin. He sees his own righteousness when he looks at you. Here's another verse in uh, Philippians 3, 8, and 9. Paul prefaces it, and he says to this Philippian church, He he lists all these examples of his earthly accomplishments, where he went to college and what he did and all the awards that he had won. But then he changes his tone in verse 8 of chapter 3. He says, For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. He says, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. Paul says every promotion, every degree, every accomplishment, I count them all as garbage. And it's all worthless in light of what Jesus has done for him. How many of you like taking the garbage out? Not me either. Uh, I even sometimes, if it's particularly smelly, Tori will uh, tie it up so that I can take it out, right? 
if it's got some type of chicken in it or something. I used to work at Chuck E. Cheese. I like to bring that up as much as I can because it's funny. But uh, I worked for a while at the, to do the salad bar because that's where everybody wants to buy a salad, right, is at Chuck E. Cheese. And I would chop the stuff up, but I'd also get to empty all that at the end of the day. And, and if it stayed overnight for a little while, it was disgusting. This just juice that was just, it was gross. It's fun to, it's fun to do that. Uh, but then you take it out, and there was a Chinese store next to us too, a, a Chinese food store, and uh, they, had a, they had a dumpster too. And our dumpsters were dueling for the worst smells uh, possible. But Paul says, all that I, I think that is best in me, all the, the accomplishments that I have made, all the good deeds that I have done, I count them all as garbage. It's worthless in light of what Jesus has done. All of the good things in me are just filthy rags. And then he goes on in the next verse, in verse 9. And it says, to be found in him. It's not having my own righteousness that comes from the law. But that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. He says, all of this I get through putting my faith in Jesus Christ. I get his righteousness instead of my filthy rags. So our perfection before God is based on the faith that Christ has granted us, his righteousness. Not because you did things. Not because you accomplished things or had a certain talent or worked more than anyone else or that your parents were these certain people or that, God, uh, you, know, that you were blessed to, to grow up in this certain area or that you gave more than anyone else. Not because you were better than you used to be. It is all, your righteousness found in God is all because Christ is better and because of what Christ has accomplished, that is the reason if you are a believer, a Jesus follower, you put your faith in Jesus Christ, that is the reason that you stand righteous before God today. Not your accomplishments, not anything that you have done. We all deserve punishment. And we're all on the same level. And we are indebted to God. Because Christ is better. 1 John 2.1 says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. We have an advocate. We have a lawyer, a good lawyer fighting our cause. And in this letter written by John the Beloved to the church, he says... Don't sin, but if you do, Jesus the righteous one, our advocate, stands between us and God. God sees the righteousness of Jesus, not your sin. And as a result, did you know that God doesn't just love you, he likes you. And he wants to spend time with you. See, we were born broken, but Jesus is not afar off. 
In the beginning, we read Isaiah chapter 53, and he told us that one was coming to bear our griefs and carry our sorrows. Advent is so much more than just Jesus coming to earth. It's him stepping into your life, coming close, coming near, within reach, side by side. He is with you. He was God and he was man too. And he knows what you are going through. The Bible says that he was tempted and experienced all the sorrows that we have experienced. He felt the loss of the death of a loved one. That's one of the shortest verses in the Bible. It, it, Jesus wept. It refers to one of his friends dying and he mourned for that friend. He felt betrayed by someone in his inner circle. A hug and a kiss is what gave it away. Jesus had weird family dynamics. Some of y'all just experienced that at Thanksgiving, right? Before the resurrection, all but his mother thought that Jesus was out of his mind. He knew what it was like not to own a house, to be hungry, to thirst. He knew what it was like not to be accepted by society. See, Jesus wasn't coming just as the location of the crucifixion. That's not just why he came to earth. He was stepping into humanity, stepping into the pain and the hurt and the loneliness and the depression and the fear that you feel. He's not far away. He came to earth to be near to you. And he has empathy for your struggles. He's been through it and he knows how hard this life can be. And he doesn't just stand back to you today and say, get over it. Instead, he enters into it with us. He came to earth to come close to you. This morning, we saw Isaiah foretell to us that the Messiah wants to bear our griefs and carry our sorrow. And for some of you, this time of year is a time of grief and sorrow, a blunt reminder of who's not here with you anymore. Jesus wants to bear your griefs and carry your sorrows. For some of you, this is the time that addiction that you thought were in the past suddenly hits you harder because you see the holliness and the jolliness and it reminds you of the loneliness inside you, the brokenness that you just want to dull, even just for a little while. So you pull out your phone when no one else is around and you look stuff up or you crack open a bottle or you pull out the pills. But Jesus wants to bear your griefs and carry your sorrows. God is not sitting back saying, I knew it. I knew they would fail me. I told them in, in my word that, I would, uh, that they would uh, fail me and that they would go astray. He's not sitting back saying, I told you so. No, he sees your pain and your sin, and he says, no, child, stop. You're hurting yourself. That won't work. That would just cause more pain. Instead, come to me, and I will give you rest. Let me bear it. And he enters into our pain and into our hurt to bring peace inside of us. Christmas trees and stockings and lights and parties and holiday sweaters. That's all fun. 
but don't let it take your eyes off the real reason there is peace on earth and joy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. And he didn't just come to Bethlehem. He didn't just come to earth. He comes into our problems and into our pain and into our hurt. He comes near to you. We were born broken. But he wants to bear our grief and carry our sorrows and hurts and loss and and pain. And this is what we need to tell our children about Advent, about Christmas. This is a song that we need to sing to our neighbors. God is not far away. He wants to carry your burdens. God sent a rescuer, the Prince of Peace, to take away the unrest inside of us. We were born with a bent towards sin, and our environment might not have helped. But each of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We each want to go our own way. But God sent a rescuer, and he told us about him 700 years before Christmas. This rescuer had a mission to step in front of the bullet that you deserved. And he gifted you his reputation, his holiness, his righteousness. And that's not the end of the story. He also promised to step into your problems today. He is close and he wants to carry the sorrow and the fear and anxiety and isolation and loneliness inside you. Unwrap that peace. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. This is the peace that Christmas is all about. And this is why it's the most wonderful time of the year. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. It's easy for us to watch Christmas movies and to see the lights on our neighbors' doors. And to hear the music in the stores. And and sometimes what we are doing, though, is hiding inside of us a sorrow and a grief and a brokenness. And we smile and we say Merry Christmas, but for us it's it's not that way. And we don't feel it. But God wants to come near to you in that. And it's okay if you're not bubbling over with joy right now. You're not lesser. You're not weird. You're a a, a broken person that's struggling. But God wants to be close to you. He wants to bear your griefs and carry your sorrows. He wants to step into your pain. And it's hard to have unrest outside of us, but it's so much harder to have that unrest inside of us. But God wants to bear that for you this morning. With every head bowed and eyes closed, we spend some time here dealing with whatever God spoke to our heart about. Maybe you've been holding on to something. 
And it's time that you let go and give it over to God. Maybe you've been covering up a sin, but sin only grows in the dark. And what you need to do is you need to confess and repent and turn around. Maybe you need to tell someone you're struggling today. Maybe you need to admit that you need help outside of yourself. That's what the church is supposed to be for. We're not perfect. We might be all dolled up and, and with Christmas sweaters on today and a smile. But we all are born with this brokenness. And we all are standing in the need of a Savior. Reach out to Him through prayer right now in this moment and ask for Him to bring that peace, to unwrap that peace for you this Christmas season. But God also gave us each other. And maybe what he's speaking to your heart about is to reach out to somebody and say, hey, will you just pray for me? I just need to tell somebody that I'm struggling this morning. I'm not asking you to fix it, I'm just asking you to listen. He wants to step into your grief and sorrow and pain. He is not far off. Maybe you're here today, and we talked a lot about the gospel. That's that Jesus Christ came to pay our sin debt. Jesus in my place. We're all sinners, but Christ came to save us even in our sin. Romans 5, 8 says that God commended his love towards us, and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. If you've not yet put your faith and trust and you made a decision to follow him with your life, you can do that today once and for all. Can't work your way to him. Can't impress him enough. It's all about Jesus and what he did on the cross. You could call out to him right now. The words aren't important. It's not a magic prayer. You can call out from your heart to, to his ears. Saying, God, I know I'm a sinner. And I know because of my sin that I deserve hell. God, forgive me. I'm turning from my sin and I'm turning to you. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. If that's you today and you made that choice once and for all. Would you write that on your connection card? before you turn it in, I chose Jesus. It's the most amazing thing you could do all year, all your life is to put your faith in him. Because that sin in our lives separates us from a holy God, but he made a way through Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we love you. I pray for every person in this room. Lord, you know their hurt. You know their pain. You know the uh, unrest that's inside of them. God, I pray 
for every person with any bitterness that they've been struggling with or any unforgiveness or any grief or any loss or any addiction or any uh, financial situation. God, I pray that you would make yourself known to them through it. God, I pray that you would draw near to them as they draw near to you. God, I pray even now you begin to move in their hearts and speak to them and let them know that you are close. That you are God with us. You didn't just come to the earth, you came to be near to me. God, we thank you. In your name we pray.